Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Ruby for All. Julie, how's it going? Good. How's it going with you? I'm doing well. I'm tired, but I'm excited because I'm moving on to a new project at work. So more fun stuff to come, I'm hoping. Nice. Today we're going to talk a little bit about getting unstuck because I think this I I still struggle with this. I don't know about you, but I still struggle with this. I was <laughs> I was working on something with a coworker on Friday and we got stuck. And I think it was something that he may need to take back to the team and figure out how to get unstuck, but I wanted to look into it and try to solve it. And what I I should have time boxed myself because I could go for hours and hours and not feel like it's been hours and just be in the same state that I wasn't before. So yeah, let's talk I, about getting unstuck. Yeah. I think you literally just mentioned like the first big one for me, at least time boxing. I think time boxing is really helpful. And I always tell people like, like you have to set like a time for yourself. It's not going to be universal for everyone, but like kind of set like a a time for yourself. Be like, okay, I can struggle with this for this amount of time. And after this amount of time, I'm going to reach out for help. And my first programming boss told me this and it was really impactful the way he said it, because I am the type of person that I, if I get stuck and I feel like I'm being dumb, I can also like really hyper-focus and spend hours and hours. And time boxing really helps me. And also I think really helps the team as well, because if you're just stuck and you're not getting anywhere and then you're getting frustrated and discouraged and you know, everything else that comes with that, that doesn't help your team either. Right. That kind of hurts everyone. So I think time boxing is like a big one for me. That's a good point. Now I'm curious what might be a good, I guess, how would you go about time boxing yourself? I would imagine that I'm more junior than you are. So I might set myself a longer time box for something for the same issue, I guess, than you would. But then also it depends on what you're stuck with. Like it could be a very small thing versus something bigger. Right. I think it for me, I'm around an hour or two. It, it definitely depends. Um, if it's something that I don't know at all and I have just like zero idea about, I'm like, this is something new to me or this is something I have no context on. I think the context one is the biggest one. If I have no context on something and I'm struggling trying to understand the context around it, then the time drops a lot down to like more 30 minutes. But if I'm just not getting something right, I'm up to like an hour, two hours, something like that. It definitely depends on what it is, but it's, I think it's really, if I, I think I kind of like judge it based on like what's happening, right? Like, am I just like not being, if, am I just not able to do this? Like then I maybe need to take a walk or something. But if it's like, okay, I just don't really have enough information to solve this, then the, the, the time drops a lot. So when you say that the time drops, how do you get more context around it? Do you look for it through docs or pair with somebody? I generally will reach out to someone, um, but docs are a great one if your organization has really good documentation. Like Podia has great documentation. That's like, I'll probably go to that though in the time box. Like, okay, I can't figure this out. Let me go check our documentation because the team has done an excellent job of creating great documentation around a lot of our processes and decisions and all this other stuff. So if I can find that, 
then then good. But if I can't, then I'm generally reaching out to someone who I think will know, or I'm asking kind of in a general channel, like on Slack or something like, hey, does anyone have any context around this? Instead of rather than just ping someone specifically, because there is like some issues with there can be some issues with pinging someone directly, right? Because if you're maybe not trying your hardest, or maybe you're just like, Eh, I don't know. I'll just ask for help right now, right? You're pulling someone else out of their flow state and out of what they're doing. So I think when you do ping someone directly, there's got to be like intention behind it and specific questions like, okay, I specifically need to answers on these things and not just being like, hey, I'm kind of stuck. I just need you to kind of come pick pick up the broken pieces. You know, <laughs> I, I always try to, if I ping someone directly, it's got to be um, like, I have specific questions that I think that they have the answers to. And I ask those like in kind of going in line. That's a good point. I remember, I guess, earlier on in my career, I might do something like that where I didn't have specific questions to ask. And I was just like, oh, this is, this is broken. I'm not sure where to begin. Whereas now I feel like through practice, I've been able to know what types of questions they will be asking me so that I can get that ahead of time and make the interaction more streamlined. It's kind of like with meetings, right? Like you want a meeting agenda to know what you're going to be talking about in the meeting. And I think it's kind of the same thing. It's like, I, I just, these are the specifics I'm having, pro I'm having problems with. And I definitely did not do this like always. Like it, you're definitely correct that like you begin to learn this and you begin to realize the types of questions that people will ask you. But I will say the number one question to like, to have like ready and prepared when you're coming into this is like, what have you tried? And what is the problem, right? I mean, that's, I guess that's of course like number one, but I think second off, what have you tried? Yeah, that's helpful. And I guess the other would be like, like what you think maybe the issue is, because sometimes that's a great way to kind of knock down some assumptions. Because I, that's the problem that I think I've been finding with myself is like, I have all these assumptions based, like built up and based around what I'm working on. And mm -hmm. sometimes I get so convinced of those assumptions that it blocks me from seeing like what it, the actual thing is or what the actual problem is. Um, so definitely like what I've tried and maybe what my assumptions are and maybe what's not working or, um, what I think might be the solution. And then kind of just kind of starting to get that back and forth conversation going. That's helpful. Do you tend to ask in a Slack or ask to pair with somebody on a zoom call? I prefer to zoom, but I think that's a lot more personality than anything. I would rather get on a call and talk it out than writing it down. Although I will say that sometimes if I start writing down like the problem, I'm like, oh, wait, there it is. It's right there. <laughs> I, you know, just kind of talking it out to yourself even. You just rubber ducked yourself. Yeah. I rubber duck myself. <laughs> I love the rubber duck uh, kind of, I don't even know what analogy, I guess to explain it is basically like uh, you don't need maybe someone else. You just need something inanimate to talk to. And in that process of just talking it out, you kind of, you can sometimes find your problem. Like I keep a rubber duck, like in my car, I have a rubber duck on my desk. I have them all over the place. Um, an, an actual rubber duck it. or something oh, else? Oh yeah. Actual <laughs> rubber duck. That's so cool. I wanted to also bring up that I started with a, Hey, can you pair with me on something? But instead of just ending it with, can you pair with me on something? I'll start typing out the question and then in and just as you said, inside that question, I start thinking about all these different ways of how I'm going to say this thing. And then I figure out the problems. 
Yeah. Just talk, like, I think it's just the talking it out in general, right? Cause you get so in your head and that's kind of what I was going for with the assumptions. Like you get so in your head and you think like the world is a certain way, but once you start typing it out and talk or talking it out or whatever, I don't know. I think it definitely helps to like erode away. Like, Oh wait, now suddenly I'm seeing the problem with my logic. Now that I can see my logic, like on the screen. Yeah. So time boxing is definitely number one for me. And it definitely, I think depends on, you know, where you're at in your career as to how long it is. But I think you can kind of set it for yourself and kind of know like, okay, after 30 minutes, like I'm pretty much, I'm pretty much stuck or after an hour or two hours, some people it's a day or two, right? It definitely is not like a universal time. I think you just kind of have to figure it out for yourself. I am starting to try to understand what my limit is. I think I spent like four hours on Friday when I probably could have stopped after maybe two. Yeah. I run into this issue because I have incredible ADHD of hyper-focus. Of like mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, okay, well, maybe this will be it. Maybe this will be it. And all this, like time just kind of erodes away and it's just me and the keyboard, but <laughs> nothing's actually happening. You know, it's like, it's, it's actually kind of counterproductive for me anyway, but sometimes it works. Sometimes for me too, I, it helps me understand the big picture better by trying to debug on my own, giving myself that time versus just asking somebody right away. Yeah, it definitely, I mean, learning to solve your own problems or learning how to find the answers to your own problems is I think really important for a programmer. Like whether that's Google or documentation or YouTube or however, or reading gem docs or reading the gem itself, however it is, like learning how to solve your own problems is very important and will take you very far, I think. And that's, I've commonly seen, I've worked with programmers in the past who didn't do that. Like they had no resolve almost. It was like, okay, I'm stuck. I'm just going to ask the first person I can find for help. And that's like what they would always do. And I think that's kind of, it becomes very noticeable on the Mm -hmm. team. It's like, we always have this one person who like is always pulling someone else out of like what they're doing. And it's usually something small or something that they maybe should have caught themselves. So there's definitely like a balance, I think, because you don't want to bring like the productivity of your team down because you're really not able to like solve your problems. That's a good point. So I think the other big one though, for me is, and we kind of referenced it already is walking away, (laughs) going on a walk, sleeping on it. Um, I am good at the walking i'm not good at the sleeping part but just like getting away from it going to do something else or maybe just like stop like the specific task you're working on and kind of pick something else up for a few minutes and try to i don't know just clear your brain of it because that's usually when i solve my problems although when i'm in the thick of it that's not my first (laughs) go-to are you the type of person that's like are you do you walk or are you kind of like the person that just kind of bang on it until it's done definitely bang on it until it's done uh but i knew that i couldn't solve it uh the the issue that i ran into on friday i think it, i just didn't have enough context and i just needed to to talk to my pair again in order to right. solve it but it helped me understand how things were connected so i'm glad i spent extra time I do think that if I walked away from it, maybe some of those things would have come by a little faster though. Yeah. Yeah. Walking away is hard, especially when you think you're close. Cause that's where I kind of get the most, like in the most trouble is like, I think I'm close and that I think I'm close can last for like hours, you know? (laughs) 
So I, I really try to remind myself to do it. I've recently gotten really big into walking. So just going outside, seeing nature. I love nature. That's, that's my thing. I'm Andrew. I love nature. <laughs> uh, and just kind of getting outside of it for a little while because you're, I don't know, especially sleeping on it. I definitely sometimes wake up the next morning. I'm like, oh, I know what the problem is now. One time it came to me in a dream. I was just about to ask you that. Do you ever dream about it? Yeah, I definitely do. <laughs> uh, I don't have very vivid or clear dreams anymore, but sometimes when I do, like I'll wake up the next morning and be like, I, I know what the problem is, <laughs> you know? And yeah, so yes, it has come to me in a dream before, weirdly. <laughs> Yeah, I need, I need uh, yeah. to get into the habit of probably going on a walk because I could use some more sunshine in my yeah, life. Yeah, I love sunshine. Well, I live in the sunshine state, so where is that <laughs> Florida? I don't know. We have a lot of sunshine here mm. in Arizona. Yeah, I love a good walk. The problem with me, though, is that sometimes I've caught myself, like, I'll just be on, I'll be walking, but I'll be, like, neck craned down on my phone, like, still researching whatever I'm doing. And I think that's, kind of leads me into the other big thing that really prevents me from getting unstuck is like I get into this research mode and like I just start researching things and researching things and never actually trying anything mm -hmm. and that's definitely where a big issue for me that I've kind of clocked recently is like I will just research the problem research the problem research the problem never actually try anything and I, I get all these ideas, but when I eventually come back to the computer, it's like, oh, I can't remember anything oh my goodness. that I was going to do. And I wasted all this time and it's like, ugh. Uh, so I did the same thing, except when trying to go to sleep, I'll be on my phone and try to research and look up videos. And the phone is very hard to look at code on like YouTube videos with code. But I would do the same thing where I would research and think of all these ideas, but I would never write them down. And then the next morning, I forget them all. Yeah. Writing things down is a good one, too, of getting yourself unstuck. It kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier. Like, once you start seeing your thought process or hearing it out loud, you can. it's kind of easier to spot. But yeah, whenever I, I have this, I, it's a bad habit for me of like trying to research stuff on my phone. And I can almost see like a correlation in the amount of time I spend on my phone and the amount of actual productivity I have because I it's like fake productivity you think you're being productive but you're really not you're actually maybe not hurting yourself but it's definitely not as helpful as you, kind of makes you think you are it's like passive learning where it's yeah. not really you're not actively retaining the information yeah definitely when if you're just staring at like code like you don't know if that's going to work for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. And then at, you also start to lose the context of like the constraints that you're in and the problems you were having. And you're just like, oh, well, this worked for this person. Maybe this will work for me. And then you go to the next thing and you're like, oh, maybe that will work. But you don't really know if you're not actually trying it, right? Yeah. Have you ever gotten stuck where your team didn't know how to get unstuck either and maybe nobody in your company? Yes. And what did you do um, then? cried. <laughs> uh, I, I've had that happen before. And I think it uh, when you come to that problem of like, no one can figure out what the issue is. Like, I actually came to this the other day, um, I was trying to test something. And for some reason, I could not understand why this test wasn't working. It was driving me insane. And I had been at on this one test for like an hour at this point, because time was slipping away. 
And so finally I reached out for help and I brought in two different people and they were like, I'm not sure either. And so I think when you do come to that, it's important to have like maybe a contingency plan of like, okay, what if I can't solve this? What is the next step? Hmm. And for this test, <laughs> I, my contingency plan was I'm deleting the test and moving on, you know, not hmm. the greatest solution, but that's what it was. And after, you know, pulling in two different people and they were like, I don't know. I was like, how important do you think this test is? And they were like, well, if you can't solve it and like, you know, it's working because you're able to like test it like in the browser or like a different way, just move on. Right. Because you're just stopping yourself. And how much gain is this test really going to give us? Um, especially if it, if you're having that part of a time testing it, there's a chance it might be flaky and, you know, lead to more problems. So for the, for that specific example, I was like, all right, delete the test, move on. But for other things, I think you kind of have to go back to the drawing board. Um, we ran into this, we just rebuilt our checkout at Podia and we ran into this problem and uh, my coworker and I worked on it for like two, three or four days, like just trying everything we possibly could. And we never figured it out. And so we brought in other people, they couldn't figure it out. So, and it was an issue with Stripe. So eventually mm -hmm. we started going to Stripe and like asking them for help. And at that point we realized what we were trying to do wasn't even possible. <sighs> So we literally had to go all the way back to the drawing board because that was, we did have, this, I had said this like when we were pairing, it's like, okay, what if we can't solve this? And I was like, I think we're going to have to redo some redesigning and rethinking some of this UX because we're going to need to put things in a different place in order to make this work. And that's what we ended up having to do is basically redesign the, the feature so that it would work in the constraints that Stripe had put us in. Gotcha. Wow. So you mentioned time boxing, you mentioned writing things down and you mentioned having a contingency plan. Mm -hmm. Any other advice you would give for getting unstuck? Definitely. Uh, we mentioned the walk or like getting away from it too. I think. Oh yes. Getting away from it. Yeah. Getting away from it. I think that's the bigger one for me. I'm not sure what other ones do I have. Definitely like just trying to spitball with someone. I mean, going kind of going back to the rubber ducking, but like if you're that in your head, you have to get out of it somehow. So I think whichever of those kind of methods that we laid out, it's like you have to get out of your head somehow. Hmm. Um, and whatever way that works best for you. Like I know people who um, will sit down and read a book. I know people that do the Pomodoro um, technique. I was doing that. I haven't done it as much recently, but that was kind of helpful for me too. Like, okay, 25 minutes, five minute break, 25 minutes, five minute break. Um, problem with me is if I was too deep into something when that five minute break <laughs> rolled around, I was like, nope, nope, nope. We're going to keep moving. <laughs> but yeah, definitely. I think at the end of the day, it's really like reach out for help Yeah, and know when to reach out for help. Have you ever tried to rubber duck with a non-coder? Yes, I have, especially designers. I have like this massively high level of respect for UI UX designer, well, designers in general, but I have like a high level of respect for designers because the ones that I've worked with have always been fantastic at like thinking about the problem. And the fact that they don't know the code makes it almost better, right? Because they're thinking of it more of a higher level, like an experience, a way things look, a way things function. And I think they start, to, they can really help you pinpoint and point out like issues in the way you're thinking or the logic. 
it's like, okay, well, no, well, we really don't want that to happen when this happens for the user, right? And you kind of start flushing out these little details that actually build up and matter a lot. So yeah, I think I love pairing with designers. We uh, we didn't have a designer on our team for several months. And when we finally got a new designer, it was a game changer. Yeah. Uh, designer, a great designer on your team, I think can completely change the velocity of like your product team. Yeah. Um, we're so happy to have him now. Yeah. I mean, our, my, our designer, um, Podi, his name is Luke. He is fantastic. And he, this, we won't get super into this, but he can actually code a little bit. So sometimes we'll push up a feature and he'll be like, this doesn't look right, but he can actually just jump in and change some of the, you know, we we're using bootstrap. So he's like, mm -hmm. okay, I can just come in and change some of these stuff. So that that's even more helpful, right? Oh, when nice. they see something that you can't see yeah. um, and they're just willing to fix it themselves. That's amazing. That is amazing. So, yeah, I think those are definitely the big ones. Do you have like a favorite way that you get unstuck or is there one, like a example of something that happened in the past? Where you're like, this is how I got unstuck when I didn't think I was ever going to. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think my favorite way of getting unstuck is actually starting to type that message, asking to pair with somebody and then writing out what it is that I needed help pairing with and then suddenly finding the issue. And I think feeling like I'm now a year into my new career, I feel like I'm trying longer before I make that message where I feel like I should do definitely do the time boxing, maybe give myself 30 minutes on something start typing that message. Maybe I can use that as an incentive to just start typing. Or maybe I have a rubber duck. I have a, a Snoopy that I can talk oh, to. Nice. <laughs> and just talk about my problem with the Snoopy and see if I could get the problem solved. Another one that I didn't think about at, in the moment, but now I do, is making a video of yourself. So I, I was working very closely with my coworker Seb on, um, all the, the new checkout stuff. And during towards the end of the project, he actually moved to Japan. So we were in the same time zone for this entire, or not the same time zone, but similar time zones for like the majority of this project. Suddenly he's on a completely different time zone. Like we don't have any overlap anymore. And so what we started to do was record videos for each other at the end of the day. And it wasn't mandatory, right? It was just something that we were doing for each other of like, okay, here's kind of what I did today. Here's the issues I ran into. Maybe could you look at this or that, or I need code review over here. And I found that in the course of recording some of those videos, sometimes I realized the issues too, right? It's like, so, like hearing me play it back. Uh, and so if you're not, if you're somebody who doesn't like writing, maybe just like throw on QuickTime or, you know, the millions and bajillions of other uh, video recording mm -hmm. software, just record you talking about the problem, then maybe walk away for a little bit, come back and listen to yourself. And maybe you'll be able to pinpoint, oh, well, actually, now that I think about it, like I said this, but this assumption is kind of wrong as I start to like hear myself say it. So that's like, that's kind of like a more advanced rubber ducking <laughs> of like just videoing it. But I have found that to be really helpful too, because I don't like to write those big messages of like, okay, well, here's my problem, blah, blah, blah. I like to, and like, that's probably why I prefer like a zoom call over a message, but a way I can kind of mitigate that to not have someone else involved is recording a video for myself so I can see it and be like, okay, I, I think that, I think that's very helpful for me. Um, also just to hear it, I think hearing, cause I am, 
I am like a spatial person and I like, like, I need to see things in order to understand them. And so like seeing myself, I think is very helpful instead of just writing text on the screen. That's a good point. I also do not like writing and that's probably why I try to solve the problem longer than I need to, to try to avoid the writing to somebody. Yeah. Uh, I think like kind of the last part we kind of talk about is I, I think there's sometimes fear from junior developers where they're like, okay, if I ask for help, then I'm admitting that I can't figure this out or I'm admitting that I'm dumb or like some something where they're like, okay, they kind of convince themselves not to do it. And I'm here to tell you, like, if you're on a good, if you have good people on your team, like you can definitely have a situation where there is someone who's like a jerk and where you admitting that you can't figure something out, they'll like ridicule you for it. Like that does happen. Uh, but if you're on a good team, which has a good culture and you know that that's not going to happen, then I don't think, I mean, if someone reaches out to me, even if they think it's dumb or they just have a typo or something, it doesn't bother me. Like I'm happy to help uh, because I feel accomplishment from helping them. They feel accomplished from figuring it out. And then the team as a whole can move forward from that. Right. And so I feel you shouldn't have any shame about needing to reach out for help because that's literally how you learn as a programmer is like asking for help and asking other people to help teach you something. That's a really good point. Do you have advice for other experienced developers on how they can approach something where they feel like, oh, maybe this person should know it, but that's not what they should say? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you have to you have to come into it knowing that there's so many other factors, right? Like maybe this person's having a, a rough day or they're frustrated or like they haven't eaten or they haven't slept well, right? And so there's all these things that could be going on that has led them to making this small mistake. And I think it's just kind of human, just maybe check on them. Like, hey, everything good? I, I don't think pointing it out is necessarily very helpful, right? It, maybe it's like offering, like, how can we make sure this doesn't happen? Or maybe you can provide them resources or something. Or maybe you can be like, okay, I'm trying to think of a, very, a, a specific example, but nothing's exactly coming <laughs> to mind. But just providing them resources, providing them encouragement never ever making them feel like they're dumb or they're stupid or that they're like less than because that you knew something and they didn't know that that's just ridiculous behavior in my opinion being encouraging and i don't know and letting them know that it's not a stupid question right sometimes people are like hey this is a stupid question i'm like no it's not like i don't even need to hear it first i'm like no it's not like, you have a question it's not stupid like we'll figure this out together and just just keeping in mind that that person is being vulnerable by reaching out to you and that you need to show some grace and prove that you are a senior and handle that situation correctly, you know, and make sure that you both come out of it or that that person especially comes out of it, not feeling dumb, not feeling less than, but feeling empowered because now they know the solution or now you've helped them and that they can keep powering and keep moving forward. I like that a lot. Something that also helped me when coming to someone more experienced with helping debugging is they spin it around and tell me of a time where they had to come up to somebody and they thought that the question might've been stupid or dumb and just being able to share a story that puts them in our shoes is helpful yeah. to hear. Yeah. And because we've all been in that, right. We've all made a dumb typo. We've all forgotten something dumb. <laughs> I forgot how the map function in Ruby worked the other day. I don't want to talk about it, but it's just like a, it's like a brain fart, you know? So it's, that's why just having that kind of empathy coming into it and just understanding like, look, this person is not stupid. You know, they're not stupid. So don't treat them like they're stupid. Right. 
give them the respect they deserve. And then both of you figure this out together and improve the team going forward. You know, everyone gets stuck. Everyone, no matter how senior you are, no matter what, what you're doing, everyone gets stuck. It's okay. Just take a breath. Maybe take some of the advice we've laid out in this episode and solve the problem. And then you'll be stronger for it moving forward. And like I said, everyone gets stuck. It's nothing to be ashamed about. I like that. Well, I think that kind of puts us at time. I will see you and the listeners next week then. All right. Bye. Bye.